Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 6th of October. New South Wales is waking up with a new Premier this morning with Dominic Perrottet sworn in to the top job yesterday. He's vowed to be a family Premier with a focus on getting the people of New South Wales out of lockdown. The state is expected to hit its 70% double dose target this week with what's being hailed as Freedom Day for New South Wales set to happen next Monday. Here is the new New South South Wales Premier saying the state is on track. I'll be sitting down with uh, Minister Hazard and the health team um, alongside uh, Minister Ayres and members of the Crisis Cabinet uh, to have a discussion in relation to the roadmap. Uh, But obviously this is early days and uh, you know we have done so well. My intention at this stage is that that day will remain on uh, Monday for next week. Meantime, state and territory health ministers are putting pressure on the federal government, urging for crisis funding as Australia prepares to open. There are fears the country's health systems will be under even more pressure, with COVID-related illnesses and hospitalisations expected to increase over the next few weeks. Australian Medical Association President Dr Omar Korshid said hospitals deserve support. They are already at capacity in all states and territories, even before we take COVID into account. So there's an urgent need for us to look at the overall capacity of our public hospital system and also to make sure that it's adequately funded to make sure that it can deal with the additional costs of COVID. It comes as the Prime Minister accuses the Queensland Premier of extortion, with Anastasia Palaszczuk saying she won't reopen the border unless hospitals are prepared. Queensland Health Minister Yvette Darth has hit back, saying every state and territory health minister has signed letters asking for more federal government support. It's not a fight between the Commonwealth and Queensland. It is every single state and territory saying that our health system was under uh, extensive pressure and demand prior to COVID that required a rethink in the funding model going forward. Staying in Queensland and passengers on a flight from Melbourne to Brisbane are being told to quarantine after a positive COVID case was on board. The 19-year-old who was given an exemption to return to Queensland was not infectious in the community. To Victoria now and the Premier says the state is still on track for its Freedom Day. That's despite Victoria recording the nation's highest ever number of daily COVID cases yesterday. There were four COVID deaths and 1,763 new infections recorded yesterday but Premier Daniel Andrews says the plan is still to reopen on the 26th of October. We are absolutely committed to delivering on the timelines that we've put out there but again I just ask people please go and get vaccinated that will limit the number of cases please continue to follow these rules. It comes as Melbourne paramedics call for more triple zero operators after a father was put on hold for more than two minutes while his baby daughter choked. The Herald Sun is reporting the six-month-old turned blue. As the dad waited for help, he's called it a miracle that his neighbours were able to step in and help clear the baby's airways and keep her alive. 
Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we return to Victoria and authorities say the concerning spike in the state's COVID cases is linked to the recent violent protests in Melbourne and a weekend of illegal gatherings around the AFL Grand Final. James Lake in Melbourne reports one cluster of infections has a very clear source. They do, Tash. That's the headquarters of the CFMEU in Melbourne, outside which violent protests erupted just over two weeks ago. Officially, seven people linked to union offices, which are now a Tier 1 exposure site, have tested positive to COVID. Among those infected in the cluster are two babies. Health experts say there could be many more cases as well yet to be linked to the protests, with a number of young men from regional areas who attended the rallies now testing positive to COVID only after falling seriously ill. And to New South Wales, a notorious gang rapist, Mohammed Scaff, will walk free from prison this week. Scaff was 17 when he joined a gang led by his brother who carried out a series of violent rapes on Sydney's schoolgirls just before the 2000 Olympics. The judge at the time describing the attacks as worse than murder. After 21 years behind bars, he will be released on parole this week. Our reporter, Siobhan Caulfield, has more from Sydney. That's right, Tash. The now 38-year-old Scaff will be facing some of the toughest parole conditions when he moves into the backyard of his family home in Sydney's southwest. He will be electronically monitored 24 hours a day and his movements tracked and logged. He will not be allowed to enter the local government areas of Liverpool, Fairfield, Blacktown or Parramatta and he is banned from contacting any victims or co-offenders. While his release has caused community outrage, the parole board says it's only chosen to release him now because it means they can monitor him in the community instead of letting him walk out a completely free man in 2024 when he finishes his prison term. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. The business implications of the upcoming climate conference in Glasgow continue to make headlines with aluminium and cement makers making net zero pledges. Yeah, Tash, good morning. Of course, the COP26 conference in Glasgow, very much an environment story, very much a, a general news story, except that it's taking a whole lot of business news with it. In this case, aluminium and cement are two of the most energy-intensive things any business can do. Aluminium has been called solid electricity before because it literally is so much required to create aluminium. And yet we've got people that are making both cement and aluminium signing up to net zero 2050. And it's one of those cases, I think, where investors general population need to remember that this is one of those cases where even though the headlines don't appear to affect business, they are going to continue to do so. Climate is becoming a central plank of all investing. And when these guys are signing up, you know it's real and you know what's coming. And Scott, very interesting to note more crucial developments in the property market in China. Why should we be concerned about this situation? Yeah, Tosh, that's a good question. I think concerned is, is the right word rather than worried. But the challenge in China is there's now a couple of very big Chinese property firms that have missed interest payments. Now, if you and I missed an interest payment with the bank, the bank manager kind of calls you and says, hey, look, I hope you're going to start paying me back when two very, very large Chinese property firms, one with $400 billion in debt, misses Gosh. that then it's like the old story, you know, when you owe the bank a million dollars, you've got a problem. When you owe them a hundred million dollars, they've got a problem. And that's kind of the story. So the financial market is worried that if these guys don't make these payments, 
the people to whom money is owed, then start to become maybe insolvent themselves and the contagion risk we last saw in the GFC with banks not trusting each other, not having the money to repay each other, that is the worst case scenario. Now, I don't think it's that bad. I don't want to, to scare anybody, but that's why the stories are being reported because if this does become a contagion impact, if it does become something of a domino effect, then there might be implications for the financial markets. And that's exactly why we're all watching it very closely, hoping that both the companies and the Chinese government can find a way out of this one. And Scott, new data shows 53,000 people have taken advantage of the federal government schemes to help first home buyers and single parents buy a house in a very, very strong housing market at the moment. Yeah, this is kind of good news. Nice to finish on a, on a positive. We know the housing market is, is through the roof and people with houses are pretty happy about that. Those that aren't on the housing market are looking at that and going, how can I ever afford to buy a house? How can I ever get on the property ladder? And the good news, as you say, is more than 50,000 Australians have taken advantage of some federal government schemes, the first home buyer scheme, the single parents deposit guarantee. Um, those things have actually put 50,000 people into homes. So in a time when housing is getting more and more expensive and more and more unaffordable and unreachable for a whole lot of people, this is one of those good news stories where we get to say, you know what, at least if they're not solving the, the cause, they're at least dealing with the symptoms and, and plenty of people are benefiting as well. We love good news. Thanks so much, Scott. We do. Thanks, Dash. Time for sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett Melbourne Storm have warned Cam Munster. He is on his last chance at the club after the white powder scandal just before the Dalliums. Good morning, Tash. That's right. On his very last chance with Melbourne Storm, that is the warning coming through from the club after the star playmaker booked himself into rehab. He'll start a 12-month booze ban. And now that's on top of the punishment the NRL dished out, which was a fine and a one-game suspension for his involvement in that white substance scandal, as you mentioned. Now, Storm Chief uh, Justin Rodsky says it's hugely disappointing. We've been really clear with him that he is on notice. This is his last chance. And that's why it's so important. We put the rehabilitation component in this so that we're giving him every chance to to continue to be a, a quality footballer, but now also be a quality human being as well. Teammates Brandon Smith, Chris Lewis were also there. They have also copped to one-match bans and fines from the NRL. Reese Walsh, who was charged with cocaine possession in a separate incident, copped a two-match ban. Now, Rodsky himself, the Storm boss, came under fire yesterday. He revealed the trio weren't drug-tested. He says that's the NRL's uh, responsibility. They're not allowed to, and that the players can't remember what the substance shown in the video actually was, Tash. And Brett, still some big deals in limbo after two days of the AFL's trade period. Yeah, Carlton will have to hand over more than just pick six for Fremantle midfielder Adam Chera. He wants to get back to Victoria. Now, the Dockers will also need to come up with more than uh, pick 27 for Geelong's Jordan Clark. Like Chera, he wants to get home. He's from WA. The Cats did allow Nathan Kruger to join the Magpies yesterday. He's a versatile uh, tall who can play forward or back. And former AFL champ Lee Montagna says the big man departs for a swap of late draft picks. So essentially Geelong have given him away for nothing, shuffling up 15 spots in the draft at the back end so that's a good start for Collingwood just wrapping up with some other sporting news around Tash three-time supercars champ Scott McLaughlin won't be returning home unfortunately for the Bathurst 1000 this year travel restrictions mean he can't get back from the US he took up a full-time drive in the IndyCar series this year so that's a shame for us at uh, the Bathurst 1000 and Ash Barty has likely pulled the pin on the rest of her tennis season she's opted out of leading Australia at the Billie Jean King Cup Uh, that's a teams event next month in Prague that actually 
repa- uh, replaced the old Fed Cup, which is, of course, like the Davis Cup, the uh, the nation's event. She has already returned to Australia. So if she was to leave, of course, then she'd have to serve quarantine somewhere else. And then when she comes back home, and that would interrupt her preparation for the Australian Open. So she's going to spend the next you know three months gearing up for her home Grand Slam. Can't wait for it. Thanks so much, Brett. Thank you, Tash. And if you're wanting to head overseas before the year is over, you can expect to have at least four COVID tests. Qantas has opened flights to the US and UK from next month, and the airline has revealed fully vaccinated travellers will need to have at least one negative test before they leave Australia, another before they fly home, and two during their seven-day stay in home quarantine. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day, stay safe, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.